Welcome to Southside Presbyterian Church. The following sermon was taken from our Sunday gathering. If you'd like to find out more, or if we can help you on your journey in faith, head to our website, www.southsidepc.org, or visit us any Sunday morning at 9am. Be joyful. Always pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanks for that, Hamish. It is my privilege this morning to open up this part of God's Word with you. It is a few short verses, but we're going to see what God uh, is teaching us through these words. So why don't we come before Him and let's pray together and ask for His help in this. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that, uh, that you have gathered us together this morning. Father, thank you that we, we have the privilege of being able to meet face to face, not only with each other, but now with you. Um, so we do pray that as we uh, read these words and we unpack these words together, that you would help us to understand them. Please give us hearts ready to respond, eyes and ears ready to be open to receive. And so we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This, this time of year, this, this season that we're in, is for many of us a time of celebration. Decorations are hung, trees and lights are all on display, and we're counting down the sleeps until Christmas. And all around us, printed on, on baubles and on banners, and sung in, in many of our favourite carols, is this idea that this season's all about joy. Everywhere you go... Everywhere you turn, we're told to have joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that I'd use the word joy to describe how I'm often feeling during this season. Yeah, there, there are moments of joy here and there, but honestly, most of the time in this season, I feel stressed, I feel busy, I feel as though I'm often trying to meet other people's expectations. It's a time of chaos and a time of feeling rushed to get everything done. Is that what it's like for you? It's often difficult to find the joy that we're told to have. And for some of us, it feels even harder to find that joy because we can't even be around the ones that we love for Christmas. This year, some of us have lost the ones we love. And in some places, borders are still closed, which means we don't get to physically be with the ones we love for Christmas. It can be really difficult to find the joy that we're told to have in this season. And that makes today's passage one of the hardest passages to put into practice because we're told by the apostle paul in first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 to rejoice always and that word rejoice here is the command to be joyful we're already finding it hard to be joyful and yet here we're told that we're to do it always no matter who you are today whether this is your first time to church or you've been coming to church for years. These aren't easy words to put into practice. 
It's an overwhelming command. But today we're going to try and make sense of what it means to be joyful. What does it look like to be joyful always? And what we're going to see as we unpack that question together is that that being joyful always has a lot to do with praying and giving thanks, which are two other commands that Paul gives us in this passage alongside rejoice always. Paul calls us to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Before we dig in to these words, though, it's important to mention that when the Bible talks about joy, it's not talking about happiness. Joy and happiness aren't the same thing. Happiness is something that we express on the outside, because our happiness is, is triggered by other people and places and events, things that are around us, or external to us, or outside of us. And because of that, happiness, well, it comes and goes pretty often. But joy, joy is something much deeper than happiness. It's internal. And it's something that remains with us a lot longer than happiness. And sometimes, our inside joy can, can cause us to be happy on the outside, but, but they're still not the same thing. And it's important we understand that difference as we unpack together what it means to be joyful always. So if the joy that we're meant to feel this season isn't about happiness, but is about praying and giving thanks, then let's try and make sense of what that means. Because how does praying and giving thanks help us to always be joyful? And how can we do these things continually and in all circumstances? Well, first of all, the thing we need to know about prayer is that it's not about how we move our lips, but prayer is about how we hold our hearts. Prayer is not about how we move our lips, but about how we hold our hearts. And we know that Paul isn't commanding the church in Thessalonica, the people he's writing this letter to, he's, he's not commanding them to always be talking to God, to always be moving their lips in prayer to God. Because in this section of the letter, Paul gives the church other commands that they need to use their mouths for. Because he tells them to thank people and warn people and encourage other people. It would be impossible to always be moving your lips, talking to God in prayer and trying to do this work of building relationships with other people at the same time. God's not calling us to do that in these words. But he is saying that if we want to be joyful always, well then we need to have hearts that are continually lifted to him. Hearts that find joy, more joy in God than in money. Hearts that find more joy in pursuing God than in pursuing family or a career or a name for ourselves. Hearts that find more joy in God as our creator than in the things that he created. And one of the ways that this passage shows us that we can express our joy in God through prayer is by giving thanks. Or to put it another way, to experience joy, real joy, we need hearts that are able to thank God in every circumstance. Now that might sound simple enough in theory, but all of us are actually wired to do the opposite. We're all wired to be ungrateful. If you've ever spent any time with young kids, you'll know that saying thank you is not something that people are good at. 
Since becoming a dad, I've, I've really come to learn that no one is born grateful. I don't know any parent whose kids have ever thanked them for all the sleepless nights, all the out-of-pocket expenses, all the driving, all the food, or all the comfort that they've given their kids. I've come to learn not to expect gratitude from kids. We need to teach them gratitude in the same way that we need to teach them how to tie their shoelaces. Now, I'm not having a go at kids, not at all, because there's something in this that shows us how we're all wired. There's something in all of us that seems to be allergic to saying thank you, especially when we think, especially for things that we think we've deserved. So when you're a kid, you don't thank your parents for feeding you or giving you a bed to sleep in or paying for your education because they're just things that parents are supposed to give you. Just like you don't thank, you don't often thank the postie for delivering your mail or the garbage truck driver for picking up your rubbish. And, and when you're driving, you don't go out of your way to thank the person who let you pull into their lane. We don't often say thank you for these things because they're, they're all things that we expect to be done for us, things we think we deserve. And we're allergic to saying thank you for things we think we deserve. And this is especially true when it comes to your relationship with God. We've all gotten used to the idea that we can just take things from God's hands without a word of thanks. So we've all believed the lie that we've earned a comfortable life, that God owes us for making us, that we deserve the things that God hands out to us every day, that we deserve the breath in our lungs, that we've earned the food on our tables, or the clothes that we wear, or the houses we live in, or the cars we drive, or the people we love. And it's, it's a real easy test. It's really easy to test how selfish and ungrateful we've become. Because as soon as something's taken away from us, we're quick to start blaming God, accusing Him, acknowledging Him as the reason our lives have become uncomfortable. But when we have these comforts, well, God's no longer in our picture. We no longer acknowledge Him, we don't thank Him, and we just take take, take. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 21 that this selfishness and ungratefulness is characteristic of people who are wicked, godless, and sinful. And sinners, well sinners don't deserve a place in God's family. Sinners don't deserve a relationship with God. The heart of a sinner is sick. Our hearts are are sick with sin, because all of us are naturally ungrateful towards God. And this sickness, this sin, it's more than just doing the wrong thing, and it's more than just having a black mark against your name and thinking that your good deeds can make up for it. It's a sickness that infects us so much that we're unable to get rid of it. It corrupts our hearts and takes over our whole body and even changes the way that we think. Because although God made us to desire Him, to find joy in Him above everything else, what our sin does is it convinces us that God's not worth the desire. God's not the greatest joy. God hasn't given me everything I have. No, I did that. I've earned the life that I've made for myself. 
And we all think like this. We all try and make the best life for ourselves through manipulation and through lies. We turn our hearts away from God and we treat Him as though He's not even there. Even though everything we have comes from His hands. Our sin has made us godless and wicked. And people like us don't deserve a place in God's family, a relationship with Him. And it's all because we've been too selfish to say thanks for the goodness He's given us. If you read the commands in our passage, rejoice always, give, uh, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, if you read those words and you feel burdened or overwhelmed by them, well, that's not unusual. Our hearts have become so infected by sin that rejoicing in God, praying to Him and giving Him thanks aren't things that come naturally to us, to any of us. For a sinner to be able to be joyful in God, to have their hearts turn towards Him in prayer and to genuinely thank Him, and not just do these things sometimes when, when the mood strikes, but, but always and continually and in every circumstance is, is practically impossible for any of us to do on our own. Most of us, when we read these verses, feel overwhelmed by what they're asking of us because we're, we're just not naturally wired to do them. So why are they here? Is God really just, just setting us up to fail? Is the joy that we're told to have in this season actually out of our reach? Well, on the one hand, yes. Our sin has broken us so much. Our hearts are so infected by it. That true joy, which is found only in God is on the one hand completely out of our reach because it's in God. And by nature, we're not. By nature, we're godless. But the whole reason we sing about joy, the whole reason we sing about joy and celebrate joy at Christmas time is because while it was out of our reach, because of our sin, God stepped towards us. He brought His greatest joy down to us. And he, he clothed His greatest joy in flesh and blood and humanity. And He laid His greatest joy in a manger, in a dirty feeding trough, even though what His joy deserved was the most glorious throne. And God the Father, He watched as His greatest joy grew into a man, a man whose heart was never stained by sin, but remained pure and completely devoted to God as God's Holy Spirit lived with him. And God was there as his greatest joy, the man, Jesus, willingly gave his life as a sacrifice. God watched as his own eternal son suffered and died at the ungrateful hands of sinners. Not because 
He didn't die because God's joy was small and not because Jesus' heart was weak. No, Jesus, God's deepest joy, suffered and bled and died as an incredible act of mercy so that he could remove four sinners the infectious power of sin that has overcome our hearts. And after he died, this Jesus, he proved his power over sin by rising back to life. Then he returned to his Father's side in heaven and he sat down on his throne because the work to rob sin of its power was finished. And Jesus was the king who accomplished that for us. And from that seat, from his throne in heaven, King Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit to sinners, the same Spirit that was with him in every circumstance of his life. He sent his Holy Spirit to us so that people like you and like me could have our hearts transformed to no longer be under the power of sin, to no longer find our greatest pleasure and joy in the things of the world, but so that our hearts would beat like Jesus' heart. And so that our lives would become like his, desiring God, making God our greatest joy. Because he is our saviour, he is our redeemer, he is our conquering king, he is our eternal hope in life and in death. So on the one hand, yes, the commands in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, are completely out of our reach. But on the other hand, God has made a way for sinners like you and me to have Him as our greatest joy, to, by giving us Jesus who stepped off His eternal throne to come into your life and fix your heart so that you can enjoy God the way that you were always meant to. And that's why verse 18, it ends by stating that this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've put your trust in Jesus and invited Him into your life, there's joy to be found. Because even now, even now, He lives. Jesus lives. Jesus, your King, He lives, sitting at God's right hand in heaven right now, praying for you that you might have every success in knowing God as your greatest joy. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 tells us this. It says that Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. And that word, that word intercede, is a fancy way of saying that Jesus is always praying for you praying for those who trust in Him, that they might have every success in knowing God to be their greatest joy. Right now, through His own prayer, Jesus is connecting your heart to God so that you can continue to live with a heart that's continually lifted to God because Jesus is holding it there. And for that, we can be thankful. For that, we can be thankful. We can give thanks to God no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. There's something really interesting about the word in our passage that we translate as give thanks. Because when we, when we take the original Greek word that's used there, because ancient Greek's the language that the New Testament part of the Bible's written in, when we take 
that Greek word for, for give thanks, and we break it down, we find another Greek word, the word for grace. And grace in the Bible is a word that, that is used to talk about the undeserved favour of God. The undeserved favour of God. So the command here to give thanks in all circumstances is talking about giving thanks to God for the undeserved favour that He has shown you in giving you His own Son, Jesus, to rescue you and make your heart, your heart right with Him forever. This Christmas season, as you face the busy, the stress, the chaos, and the rush, don't wait for those moments to pass before you try to find joy. Because that, op- that opportunity may never come. Instead, be thankful in those moments that God's undeserved favour has already found you. In those moments, give thanks to God that Jesus has your heart already lifted to God and is praying with you that you'll succeed in making Him your greatest joy, come what may. There was a man who found so much joy in God through Jesus that even in the face of death, he wanted others to know and experience that joy too. Man's name was John Harper, and he was on board the Titanic the night that it sunk. Hearing that, that there weren't enough lifeboats to save everyone, John put his, his six-year-old daughter on a lifeboat and said goodbye to her forever. Because only a few short hours later, John found himself in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, freezing to death with the 1,500 other passengers who were dying too. But instead of spending these last moments in despair and in suffering, John was heard by by some survivors rejoicing in God, being joyful in God, because he knew that his life was in Jesus, that Jesus was with him not just in life, but in death too, that even after death he would still be with Jesus, Because Jesus had already won that victory for him through his own resurrection. And John, he didn't keep this joy in God to himself. But he swam from person to person, calling people to put their trust in Jesus. To turn from their sin and find joy in God. Even in this moment. Because John knew with certainty that God was powerful enough to save those who were dying and give them life with him forever. In that moment, in that circumstance, as John faced his own death, he rejoiced in God, gave thanks to God because he knew that his heart, that his life was already with God in Jesus. this season and every season no matter what circumstance you find yourself in give thanks to God in busyness, in stress in heartache, in pain in chaos in overwhelming sorrow look to Jesus and give thanks give thanks in those moments because 
Not because your joy is in the circumstance. But give thanks to God because joy is yours in Jesus forever. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we, we praise you and we thank you and we find our greatest joy in you. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus that in this, this season we're in, we, we can celebrate and, and rejoice in, in the truth that you sent your Son to us to save us from our sickness, to save us from our sin. Thank you that your Son, Jesus, was given to us, that he gave his life in death so that we might have life in his resurrection. Please help those of us who have not yet put our trust in him to trust in him today. And for those of us who already trust in him, may we continue to find our greatest joy in you through him. Thank you that Jesus is with you now and he is praying for us, for our success, that we might find you as our greatest joy. Help us in this season and in every season to make you our greatest joy by trusting in Jesus and remembering the work that he has done. Whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, may we rejoice in the fact that our lives are with you in Christ Jesus. Help us to rejoice in this today and always and to encourage each other in this joy as we share this good news with those around us. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.